עומר אדי, יאס, אקשן, אקשן. אוקיי, so welcome to DevOps Topics, chapter or episode number 9, right? Number 9. And today we are going to talk about a cool subject, which is called, a cool topic, okay? Cool topic, which is called platform engineering, right? Omer, platform engineering. Yes, that's the one. So, yeah. So as we like to start, you know, as usual, Omer, what's the first thing that comes up to your mind when I say... platform engineering what do you think about that I'll address your question first because you ask what first thing comes to your mind and the things that are coming to my mind have nothing to do with platform engineering because so, so let just... me, I want I want to hear that I want to hear your the things that come up to your mind and then we'll get to the real topic okay so okay, what do you think about the that? things that come up to your mind when someone says platform engineering platform is like this generic name of a team that every company for some reason has we have a team that's called platform my uh, previous company had a Uh, team that was named platform for some reason and it's usually an application platform it has something to do with the application maybe an underlying layer or something but it was it had to do with the product not I'm also wondering wait also yeah. wondering about the platform that you said so is it like also the infrastructure team or do you have a separate team for the infrastructure no 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 no, no. It, it's a platform backend team it's a backend layer that's called the platform and it supports the mm. product has nothing to do with uh, my team or other operations okay. engineers nothing it's just a platform okay. the application platform whatever you this can mean anything it's just a generic okay, so that's term. the first thing okay do you have another thing that comes up to your mind except from the okay, real topic I, I have that I have the real thing which okay. I basically went and read and let's start I'll, I'm taking a step back like I love to do and you talking about why am I hearing this thing for so long so many times not so long I'm sorry recently but so so many times it's everywhere it's on YouTube and I've been approached on LinkedIn and I'm sick there's like a platform engineering YouTube channel and a platform engineering.org now and what's going on it's not a new thing the term was here for a few years now I think I've seen hashicorp releasing material over platform engineering and are uh, have open positions for platform engineers it's not a new thing. What's going on recently and I don't have an answer to that and then I went to ask the god of all answers which is chat GPT these days and I have asked him I asked him what's platform engineering and he answered like the typical answer which we'll touch on in a bit and then I asked why did it become recently so popular and I wanted to hear this uh, uh, special answer because maybe someone is benefiting financially <laughs> from promoting mm-hmm. it. Uh, no, I got a generic answer that says uh, one reason is that uh, recently everything becomes cloud native and all companies are joining the cloud. So we have platform engineering. Never mind. Do you want to hear the real thing? Okay, the real, the real thing. Okay, so let's cut the teeth. Let's, uh... let's cut the bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> let's cut it. Cut. Okay. okay. So the real thing. What is platform engineering? So like... Probably when describing SRE or DevOps, uh, I'll probably be crucified if anyone hears that because every engineer has two opinions over what DevOps is or what platform engineering is. But basically, platform engineering is having a team of, you can call them developers, operations engineer, which are responsible to building a platform that will help developers do their work. Now that's pretty much what you consider DevOps are, right? Right. 
it's writing the tools and creating the automations and all the systems that developers use in their day-to-day. And platform engineering is basically that, but it adds the concept of let's apply software engineering principles. Like let's, we're software engineers, let's build a platform, let's build uh, tools, let's use sprints, let's apply all the uh, cycles of, of sprints management and everything that developers do. But in this case, we're not building the product, we're building a product that its customers are the developers of the company. That's the general idea. Make mm-hmm. sense? Uh, yeah. To my eyes, being a good DevOps engineer is being a platform engineer. Exactly. That's you exactly know? it. And then I'm so thinking to myself... So if you're a good DevOps engineer, you are providing tools you don't want. So I always say to my you know, developer teams, I will tell them, listen, you don't need me. Please don't ask for that, help. That's the you essence. You don't need me. That's the you, essence. You have of the everything. template. You have everything. You don't need me. Take it. If so you, if we you had have issues. Call me. But we you don't both need had me. the same uh, mentor, if you will, that always said that our goal as consultants <laughs> okay. is for the uh, um, customers Customer, not whatever. to need yeah. us in the future. We need to do our, yeah. do our work in a way that leaves them completely self-sufficient, and that's essentially the idea of platform engineering. I think. The recent, if, if it's not uh, like this, a big financial thing and someone's pushing it for their own mar- marketialic, whatever the term is, uh, benefit, it's probably for the fact that DevOps and SRE, oh, let's say just DevOps, kind of deviated into this uh, operations engineer, YAML engineers, you know the joke? YAML engineers. YAM, yeah, YAML engineers, people who just write YAMLs and they upload stuff to Kubernetes and maybe they push uh, CI engineers, they just push uh, Groovy code to Jenkins and things like that. They don't mm-hmm. do the real essence of the work. Um, I personally totally agree with that. I can say that when I first came to this, I heard about this term and then I said, okay, the new bullshit, fine. It's just another thing that people will now use. But then I kind of read a little bit further and it made sense. It clicked. And that's, I think, the essence of DevOps, by the way. Dev and Ops, it should be developers that do operational processes. And by the way, that's how I at least um, recruit I'm looking for developers. I look for people that are not afraid from touching the code. I'm looking for people to that can build products. And that's by the way, what we do. We're developing tools and products that support our engineers, not in a big scale. I think Wix, Wix, the company for ages have called it DevX, like the dev experience. So they have a team. So they have a DevX team. I, I just recently heard about it. So it's a team that's responsible for the developer experience. It's a group and they're building a platform. That's what they do a platform that will make their developers self-sufficient, meaning they can create new application environments, create new applications, create new uh, services, deploy them to all kinds of environments, do everything as much as self-sufficient as you can think of something. Kind of Heroku, but internal, right? That you can do everything on your own without knowing, quote unquote, uh, the infra, the underlying infra. So that's it. That's the idea. And I totally agree with it. So I'll give an example of my experience with it. Okay. Like how I dealt with it. For example, like when I, uh, you know, I think that because both of us were consultants and, you know, uh, our boss always told us, listen, the customer don't need you. The customer doesn't need you. He doesn't need you. Make them like independent. We don't want them to be dependent on us. Make us redundant. He always said. Yeah. 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 So that's weird. You know, that's like anti thesis like for for making money but but we made money we were okay yeah um so one of the customers that i worked for 
Um, eventually, they deployed too many things to an internal Kubernetes cluster. Mm-hmm. Too many things. Like, so each time a developer wanted to deploy an application, it was like, need to create some Helm chart and need to create... So every time you need to do the whole thing from scratch. So then I can say that, like, to my eyes, being a platform engineer or providing this type of service, it really depends on the sweet spot. You know, so sometimes if the developer teams don't deploy too many services, I would do everything, you know, manually. I would do that for them because, you know, why would I start creating templates for a one-time or two-time or maybe five-time thing? But is it But if I realize... That's, I just want to double-click on what you said now. Because yeah. you're, you said I could do it for them because it's a small team and there isn't much to do. It's not repeatable. Mm-hmm. And I, I think... Exactly that point is the beginning of every product company in the world you, you, or every consultancy in the world because you're thinking, okay, I have all the knowledge in my mind. I can apply it easily, but how do I do that in scale? What happens when there are 100 developers? Saying. So when it scales, exactly. So when it scales, when I realize that it's about to scale, when I realize, as I told you, they were about to deploy many, many, many services. And then I realized, okay, doing stuff manually, doing stuff on my own, it's not gonna, it's not gonna work. So what I did was, as I said about the Helm chart, so I created this super ultra generic Helm chart okay. that was specific to that organization. So it's not like I can even share that code because it was specific for deploying internal services for that organization. So it had, you know, Uh, a Kubernetes service, ingress, deployment, and everything. And all the developers need, had to do it. Also a CI-CD pipeline in GitLab CI that you love. And all developers had to do was write their code, you know, define a few things in the Helm chart, and, you know, the application was deployed and it was up. So it was like pure platform engineering. It was like two years ago. And I think you only get to that point, as you said, when you scale. So you need to find a sweet spot because it's not always worth it to invest in those templates. To my eyes you know because it takes time to abstract templates it's easier exactly. to hard code exactly it's it's always the tension between uh v- build versus buy which probably when you grow it's it makes again more sense again to repeat that i'm not sure i'm familiar with it build versus buy so okay it, not familiar. When, you, when you're share, small share. it usually makes sense to buy things you uh, run on a platform you buy aws service you buy servers from aws or resources or whatever okay um you you By shelf products to something to help you with BI to help you with uh, internal communication use slack use all kinds of services at some point one of those services uh, we have some very expensive services for example uh, bah, 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 bah. monitoring serverless okay not gonna name the the provider monitoring serverless is a hard thing to do we use a provider pretty hard um, at some point it will probably make sense because it costs so much money to do it on our own at least partially. At least one of the environments build something on your own so it's it's a kind of finding the sweet sweet spot between do I need to spend my engineering hours on that or do I buy it mm-hmm. um, so that's it and I was smiling before because as you were speaking I was thinking of a product so I want to try something <laughs> I okay, want to throw out my idea and see what you think of it because I think that's kind of touching to the heart of what platform engineering is 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 uh, applying software engineering to DevOps world in order to make the developer's life a lot better, but with some restrictions. So let me just throw it out there and tell me what you think. Yeah, um, shoot. All right. We use serverless. Okay. And that's pretty much does everything for me. I don't serverless really have framework. Serverless framework in, in the same way we can use uh, SAM by AWS or uh, 
lots of other names that I forgot at the moment. Out of curiosity, which version are you using? I think they already have version 3. Or I are don't. you still using 2.76 or something like that? Embarrassing something? enough, I just don't remember. I don't okay, remember. so probably two, two point yeah. something probably. Completely, okay. bl- completely black up. Yeah. I wanted to know if you upgraded because it sounded crazy to upgrade. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. We have a hard time with upgrades, but we can speak about it later. <laughs> there are some exactly. uh, restrictions to that. In any case, I was thinking, okay, that pretty much does everything for me because the developer is completely self-sufficient. They start a serverless framework. They take a template that we have a template that they use, copy, clone, whatever, and just run serverless with whatever they need. They add their permissions, name of the service, etc., etc. Uh, problems, they can do whatever they want. They can use an API key or not use one. They can use, uh, We last week we talked about misconfigurations. So they can misconfigure everything. They don't sometimes don't care about the headers that are going in. Uh, they don't care about different uh, ports and, and labels. They just do stuff because they can, because that's someone what someone else did. At times they read the docs, nine times after 10 they don't, and they shoot it. Um, self-sufficiency problem solved. Restrictions and whatever else I can think about isn't solved. What if I were to create some kind of wrapper tool around that? It can be, and by the way, completely modular, right? It doesn't have to be the serverless framework. It can be raw creation of CloudFormation templates myself. I can do that against uh, AWS Lambda, Google Functions, Azure Functions, whatever, uh, or other framework. And I would let them use my tool instead of the serverless CLI, but I would, uh, it would be completely opinionated as to what I need. Uh, I enforce different things like using an API protected endpoint, and I would enforce the origin header to never be star, etc., etc., etc. And then I help them be self-sufficient. I'm applying the principles of software engineering. I'm applying product into that. I'm building a product that helps my developers. But on the same time, I'm doing that not in order to uh, every every uh, Monday morning fix stuff for them or apply the YAMLs for them. I'm letting them have the power, but with the restrictions I apply. What do you think? I'm wondering like, um, so I'm wondering like, you know, there's always this difference. I'm not sure how to say it. I don't know even if in Hebrew or in English, but it depends what you want to create, a vaccine or a medicine, you know? So you're trying to create (laughs) a vaccine, I guess, right? You want them to, you are preventive. You're not healing. You're not trying to heal stuff. You want to prevent stuff. Yeah, okay, I want and to I solve think many tools and services out there that are scanning your infra and stuff, usually after the fact, you know, after you create those headers that you said, after you, in, you do security issues, they know how to scan vulnerabilities. So now I'm thinking, you know, you know with you, I, I'm not sure, like, which is better? Because out there, if you take reality, you know, there are many tools that are dealing with what you said, scanning for vulnerabilities and everything after the fact, right? After they deployed, they check the things. And you're saying, no, 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 I don't even want to allow it. I want to restrict it even before it happens. Sounds better. Amazing point. But Amazing point. I think I have an answer that applies to me. I, okay, my use so, case. shoot, shoot. I have no idea. <laughs> shoot. So, so that's what we're trying to do today. Um, we're trying to preventive. Be, no, no, I mean, preventive is my idea. What we're trying to do today, because we don't have a way to prevent it, is, is scanning after the fact. We have already mm. things deployed to either staging or production, and we can scan after the fact. It doesn't have to necessarily be already deployed to production. It can be scanning the merge request. It's a thing we do today, scanning the merge request to find things that we probably missed. Uh, 
first, not robust enough. And second, you'd always have to, as you said, after the fact, I'm creating um, a medicine to something that's already sick. And, and it's sick because the root is, it's funny to use the, those analogies, but the root is rotten because the template mm -hmm. is already rotten and every developer in my company is cloning the same project. Everything necessarily has to be scanned and necessarily I'm going to have to find things. So I want to solve the root cause. So that's a great mm. point. And it adds to the necessity of what I'm thinking. So what if you said, okay, so you already gave some sort of a hybrid solution. You said, okay, so before we deploy, let's scan the merge requests. And usually merge requests are before deployment. So now I'm wondering, yeah. isn't it enough to scan the merge request and that's it? Isn't um, it enough for you? It's, it's a question. It's a question. And if I'm going back to platform engineering, um, to the concept, if I'm, I'm reminded of the fact that I'm building a product, not necessarily helping developers in their day-to-day, -day, not holding their hand, I'm building a product that they use. They're, they are my end customers. I want them to be happy. I want to add features, but I want all of them to be happy and work correctly with the product. As we're as a team, we're building a product and serving it to our customers and they want, we want them to be happy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't want to be the one that scans after the fact. I think that it's kind of the, that's the DevOps aspect or the SRE aspect of things, but that's not the platform engineering aspect. Platform engineering is building the tool to be, it's not Designing even preventative. It right. Exactly, you know, a, a design, exactly. Yeah. not preventative, okay. it's a design tool. It helps you design your application and it keeps you safe in the sense that I've already made it opinionated enough, so I don't have to scan and tell them, oh, dude, you have this uh, header that's lying around and it shouldn't be like that. Or you have this port open and you shouldn't open too many ports. Or, hey, dude, I found, I found a vulnerability. No, my tool is going to like, take the vast majority of things I can prevent from the get-go and let you build something that's already robust and ready for production because I made it the way I want. And that's... But and, on and the I know other that... hand, again, we don't want to restrict too much. You know what I mean? Again, it's always a sweet spot. So exactly. if you build this template that you're talking about... You might restrict developers and they will be annoyed because they will that's be like, the I need this header and I don't want to tell you, please allow me, uh, you know, please give me a specific permission to allow this header because this application specifically needs this header. And so you always got to find this sweet spot, you know? So I'm going to answer exactly to that. That's the part that you apply. Um, it's weird to say software engineering principles. It's product principles. I'm building a product and I'm listening to my customers and we're doing exactly the same way that we build modern applications today. You have this small iterations with a short feedback loop. You ask the developers what's, or your customers rather, what do they think of the product? What issues do they have? How are they enjoying it or not enjoying it? And then you iterate, build, release, build, release, test, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera exactly like they do with the real quote unquote product. Mm -hmm. So I, like I think it. that's so another exactly tip that. would be uh, short iterations with developers. So if you take the developers as a DevOps engineer, if you take developers as your end customers, mm -hmm. and instead of you know building them a YAML with 300 lines and telling them, listen, use this, and that after you know two weeks of work. So instead of doing that, breaking your work to 30 rows, 40 rows, keeping them as part of your development process, and then letting them be involved, let them use it. Be your beta testers as early as you can. You know, just like you do with product, just like you do with your uh, power users. Power I want to tell you a one-minute story. Sure. As you even got two minutes if you want. Two oh minutes, God. not oh minutes. God. Oh you God. Got, you okay. got two minutes. Okay. okay. Two minutes. <laughs> one-minute story. One-minute story. Because I two forgot minutes. about it completely. <laughs> two minutes. Two minutes. <laughs> um, 
back when I can't name names, it's not fair to name names, but we worked uh, together as consultants and one of the companies that I was in consultant, I, it was pretty long project. I was there for two years, mm-hmm. pretty much part of the team. And at some point we had a lot of issues with the front end deployment. So after a lot of CI iterations and trying to help them with the, the for some reason, which I'm not, I'm not aware of uh, CI or at least front end deployments in my cases are always the complex ones. Not very hard really? to solve, but yeah, the more complex ones. I don't know. Uh, multiple deployments, a lot of customers, different types of front-end solutions. Never mind. I built a tool for them. And exactly like the one I said now, it was a CLI that helped them deploy. Uh, I even released it in cycles to Homebrew. We had a private app for Homebrew so they can install it on their Macs. Ooh. The one that used Linux, I released it to Snap. And we had these iterations and I released like continually releasing features and whatever they needed. And I had a weekly chat with a front-end group leader, which was my customer, and we reviewed the product. And he said what was going well, what wasn't going well, and I took it back. I uh, had another week of development and I released a new version and sat with him and we discussed it and it went on for a few months and they used it a lot. Probably not this day because it has been like three or four years uh, coming to think of it. So that was a cool implementation of the same. That's it. I, I, I was thinking like, am I going to hear but, but I didn't hear a but in the story. No, no, so no, 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 but, no, but, it all <laughs> no clicks buts. now. No, no but, it worked great. I mean, I enjoyed it. Okay. I was developing a product. I wasn't like solving, um, I wasn't firefighting. I was mm-hmm. developing a product that lets them, and that scales, right? Because all of them used it. They were, they were like six or seven engineers using the same tool, enjoying it. It they was had a monorepo, right? I think, or maybe I'm confusing it with another product. In that, that instance, it. yes, it was, it a monorepo, was, think, it was yeah? one repo, yes. Yeah. Okay, so we'll probably also talk about Monorepo in one of those sessions because topic, it's something yes. we got to talk about. Yeah, it's also or related, not, I think, or to, not. you know, it is, it is. Because there are things you don't to want to touch. Engineering, you know, it's also related somehow because how do you design a good product either by creating one golden template, you know, golden, they think they call, they call it like a golden path or golden template or something okay. And, okay. and recreate it or use a Monorepo and then from that you start creating folders. So I wonder which, which is better. We'll talk about that it's, uh, probably it's, in the it's next ex- session. It's explosive and sensitive to some people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this is what we touch, the explosive stuff, you know? This is what right. we like. Right. Okay, so I think we are close to finish this session. So before I even ask you, I'll tell you about a crazy thing that happened to me this week. You know, before okay. I ask you, Omer, how, what was your experience this week? So yesterday, I was finally able, okay, are you ready? I was finally able to build um, a web assembly with Conan. Conan is the C++ package manager. Okay, and if okay. Diego, if you are hearing this, I'm very happy. So I was able to build <laughs> the web assembly, the Wasm and Scripten with Conan, finally to build the application, you know, a Binai AI's uh, algorithm application to that platform. Mm-hmm. We build to many platforms, you know, iOS, uh, Android, Windows, Mac OS, anything you, you want to build for, we build for that. So also for WebAssembly, it was tough, but eventually it worked. So I love Conan and uh, that was my experience this week. So Omer, what was yours? I'll do the same trick from last week. And I said, your was good enough. Let's leave it and I'll, <laughs> and I'll, and I'll give mine on the next episode. Okay. Okay. So let's uh, have a dessert by saying thank you for everyone. Especially for those who are here. Yeah, ah, for, for the entire crowd you. that is sitting with us thank you, thank in you. the studio. We, you should put the claps, you know, like, uh, thank you, thank you, right? <laughs> Do you hear the crowd? <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. And uh, until next week, do you know? Next week. All right. Yeah. Okay. See you next week. Cheers for two minute stories. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye.